Bigfoot is a jerk. That's what he is. Dad, calm down. I'm sure it's a simple misunderstanding. Misunderstanding? We have been good friends for 20 years. How could he have forgotten us? 20 years is like two months in vampire years. Ugh. Well, spooks and spookettes, I am Count Drahoon. And I'm his number one son, Daryl. Usually around this time of night, we are presenting tales of fun, fright, and phenomena for our podcast, Count Drahoon's Feature of Fright. Instead of doing that, and instead of going someplace a bit more luxurious, we find ourselves in the wilderness of Sri Lanka. Looking for Bigfoot. Who is apparently the frontman of the greatest southern rock band of all time? The greatest underground southern rock band of all time. He better be as good as you say he is. No offense to the Sri Lankans, but this is nowhere I wanted to spend my vacation. We could have gone to Uncle Bishkek's condo in Belize. Trust me on this, son. I know this seems like a completely unnecessary trip. But once you hear Bigfoot's immaculate voice and guitar shredding, you will know exactly why I am frustrated as to why Bigfoot just threw away 20 years of friendship. I don't know that he threw it away. He probably just didn't know you wanted to come. I have been on the guest list since the 90s. There's no way he could have forgotten. <gasps> it started. Quick, let's follow the music. We can see about bypassing the security. If that's code for dodging quicksand, good luck. How did you find out about this? I met him as he was passing through to his gig. I mistook him for someone else. We got to talking and had a nice rapport, and he invited me to his show. Who did you mistake Bigfoot for? I thought he was his cousin, Yeti. Very unsavory character. I heard he still has a drinking problem. Only you, Dad. We are getting close! Oh, I haven't been this excited since I went on that one date uh, back in, say, what year was that? Uh, Dad? Something the matter? Do you hear what I hear? All the way out here? It can't be! It is! The Ghost Mountie! Oh, Nelly, who goes there, eh? Ghost Mountie? Oh, it's that Rahoom fella and his jolly green giant son. I've been called worse. What are you doing here? Are you a fan too? Well, that Bigfoot fella sure can't shred a guitar, but that's not why I'm here. I run into concert security, eh? Security? Yeah, you betcha. Us Ghost Mounties haven't actually been on the payroll of the Canadian government in quite some time, so we contract our security services to obscure acts. Ah, what a lucky happenstance. We are just on our way over there. Are you sure about that, friend? Uh, They told me it was sold out, no seat available and what have you. Oh, well, we are on the guest list. We're on the guest list? Daryl! Hmm, so why'd you get disinvited for, eh? We were not disinvited. We didn't even get invited in the first place. Daryl, please! This is a very easy fix. I know Bigfoot. We can work it all out and it'll be as if... I'm afraid any sort of miscommunication is going to have to be worked out after the show. No! We have to see the show! This is a father-son rite of passage. Like fishing or gambling or the birds and the bees talk. That'll be a fun episode. Sorry, friend. Those are my orders. 
I'd be happy to escort you to the proper authorities once this is over, but for now, I'm gonna have to hold you here until we get the all clear. Daryl? Yeah? Make a run for it. No! Pick up the pace, son! Why do you keep doing this to me? I can't run that fast. It's all dead weight. I don't want to hear it. If we slow down, we're going to be trampled on by the ghost-mounted Canadian police. Oh, looks like we got some runners. Ghost Mounties, up, up. Is this how you imagined that we'd die? Being trampled by a squad of ghost Mounties in the jungles of Sri Lanka? Cut me some slack. I didn't pick the topography. Look, stage lights. We are almost there. How can you think of a rock concert at a time like this? Trust me, it's worth the watch. Quick, run towards the front. We'll enjoy this as long as we can. All right. Careful, boys. These DJs can start a mosh pit any second. It could get ugly. Oh, you're right, Dad. These guys are awesome. I told you. Here. We made it. Bigfoot, I'm here. It's me, Trahoon. There they are, right up front. Why didn't I get put on the guest list? I thought we were still friends. Let's grab them, fellas. Okay, headquarters, we're trucking these two jokers along to booking. Uh, one of them's a vampire with a cape, and he looks a bit like a raccoon. The other's a jolly green giant. We caught these two trying to sneak into the concert without any tickets. Dad, even though we're about to be hauled off to Canadian Ghost Prison for a while, this is actually a lot of fun. I'm glad you had a good time. I promise when we get out of here, we will go to Belize, to Bishkek's house. If Belize is still there... All right, boys, start that caravan up, eh? Wait a minute. Can you at least play our music on the way out? Sorry. Want to help the show grow? Well, you can start by leaving us a review on iTunes. Go to your iTunes account, click on Podcasts, type in Count Rahoon's Feature of Fright. Once you hit the main page, go to Ratings and Reviews, and click Write a Review. The more reviews we get, the higher we move up in the iTunes rankings, and the closer we get to world domination. Thank you, Spooks and Spookettes. This is Mothboy Matt. This is Mothboy Mike. And this is Jacob. Definitely not Mothboy <laughs> Jacob. Never, ever, ever.
And we are Moth Boys, a podcast on cryptids, conspiracies, and the unknown. Unknown. All right. So today we are actually in uh, Chestnut, in the Chestnut Ridge area, which is right outside of Pennsylvania. Kind of. We're dips doing into... a live episode. Yeah, live, episode in live. deep in the heart, deep in the woods of Pennsylvania, right now. And actually. Actually, we're just kind of decided to go on vacation and uh, hang out here. But uh, we've been walking around. We've actually been like hunting, hunting for Bigfoot for the last few hours. And uh, wait, wait, wait! Do you see that over there? What is that? Oh, what? No. The, what the hell? No, that's just, that's just my ex girlfriend, dude. Oh, this your ex girlfriend? No, that's, no, no, no! That's it's not. Bigfoot. Bigfoot, Bigfoot, Bigfoot. Hey, Bigfoot. come here, Bigfoot. Uh, just... uh, uh, can we can we get an interview, please? Uh, uh, okay, okay. Oh, cool. Yo, so we got we got Bigfoot uh, uh, here. A, is that a yes? That's a I yeah. think. I, yeah, I, 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 I that speak. Was a yes. I speak a little Bigfoot Tanese. Okay, Bigfoot Tanese. Yes. Okay, that's a real language. All right. Oh, this is so. This is on the spot, you guys. We need to think of some questions here. Uh, who's got a, oh, Bigfoot? God, Bigfoot. Uh, how big are your feet? <laughs> really? That's much smaller. And can you translate you got... that, Matt? What was he saying? He said they're actually just about like uh, five, five and a half. Wow, five, five and, and a half, half what? <laughs> uh, Bigfoot, Bigfoot. Um, so what? What do you eat out here in the woods of Pennsylvania? <laughs> and now I didn't understand that. I you think he's just drunk. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Bigfoot. Uh, has anybody ever captured you on video? He said, he said, yes, Steve, his friend Steve and him made a home video when they were younger, but he doesn't want to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds a little saucy. And then, and, and, and then he said, uh, uh, Patter singing, uh, uh, Giblet, uh, shot them too. I shot him, shot at him. So how'd you um, get from California to Pennsylvania? That's a good question. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, those red eyes are rough. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a flight then? Yeah, yeah, he flew here. Okay, so the portal thing that's all bullshit? Yeah. No. Yeah, it's not real, he said. Okay, so Bigfoot are not aliens. I assume you're not. Yeah, he just said he just said that he lived he lived in Santa Monica for like for most of his life and then decided to move move out east. Sweet, were you were you a surfer? Uh, 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 yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, I get yeah, that. Bro. I get that. What's your favorite sure. song? The platinum hit by Everclear, Santa Monica. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, he's getting really I understood upset. that one. He likes Jake, Wonderful Jake. more by Everclear. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Father of Mine? <laughs> okay, it was Father of Mine's yeah, his yeah. favorite Everclear song. He, he, cool. he definitely digs that. Um, wow, this is such an honor, Mr. Bigfoot. Wow. What um, can, can we call you? What can we call you? Do you prefer Mr. Mr. Bigfoot or Bigfoot or... Okay. You just said call him Ed. Okay. So, Ed it is. Yeah. Well, we'll let you go, Mr. Bigfoot. Whoa, 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 whoa. I have one more question. Well, oh, okay. Was John Lithgow in the best Bigfoot movie? <laughs> what? <laughs> Jake, Jake, 
Oh, oh no! Oh, Jay! No! Jay! God! You mentioned Harry and the Hendersons! Me! asked to contribute a story to this episode. Uh, my name is D.B. Spitzer. I am the host of The People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos and Black Clock Audio Tales, a daily audiobook podcast about gothic horror, spooky stories, ghost stories, stuff like that. Uh, something that I've been interested in ever since I was a small child because of what I'm about to start talking about. Uh, Two instances that are why I don't go camping unless I'm in like um, large groups of people that have firearms or know the woods well or anything. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So... I, a little bit of background, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, Vancouver, Washington, Uh, my family is avid outdoors people despite everything that's happened, Uh, my my father grew up in Montana outside of uh, Lincoln, Montana, and Great Falls, Montana, and knows the woods out there, he was an Eagle Scout, he went into the Navy, He's a real kind of, like, outdoorsy, active guy who also, you know, fairly proficient with firearms, boxing, that kind of stuff. He's a real kind of, like, manly man guy and isn't really kind of afraid of stuff. I I saw him once chase a badger off. I mean, he's, you know, that's my dad. Um, So that's a little bit of background on some things before we go in, in any further. When I was, I think I was about eight or nine. I, was, I wasn't I was 10 yet because I was 10 when something else happens. Uh, I was eight or nine and we're camping outside of Lincoln, Montana, where my, uh, near, near some property, uh, my, my uh, part of my family owned, uh, doesn't own it anymore, but we talked to the people and we're allowed to stay on their property for a short period of time. And we were going to explore some copper mines around there. And my dad grew up around this area. And he's like, oh, yeah, here's some old copper mines we used to poke around when I was a kid. And we'd get yelled at. So we're going to bring flashlights. And we're going to go around. And we're going to look there. And it's going to be all great and good. You know, we're not going to go down too far. We're not going to crawl down anything. We're just going to go in a little bit. We're going to look around. And listen to me. Don't get too far. We didn't bring any ropes. We didn't do anything like that because we had no intent of going down any further. We didn't want to really get too far or lost in a copper mine that's been abandoned for like 50, 60 years or whatever. I don't know the history of Montana. That's not me. So my dad, my older sister, Heather, who's about three years older than me. So she's 11, 12. Uh, We all go... And uh, my mom takes a photo of us in front of this big old boiler right out in front of camp. And, uh, you know, she's like, okay, I'm, I'm going back. I'm going to go make lunch. And we're all like, okay. And I had a brother who was about two or three at the time. So we go to the copper mine and 
we start poking around and looking at all the old equipment that's still there that was just left too big to haul away or, you know, broken uh, mining equipment, broken handheld mining equipment, some old picks and stuff that, you know, the handles broke off or the picks broke themselves. And we're like, oh, this is neat. And, you know, we're taking pictures of stuff and asking our dad if we can take, like, some of the metal back. And he's like, no, leave it here. And then he's like, all right. Then we uh, fire up the uh, gas lantern, like the ones that you pump a whole bunch, the uh, like white gas lanterns. And we start to go into the mine. It's 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 a a natural. It's not a natural cave. It's it's clearly something man-made that goes into a rock face, uh, a part of the Rocky Mountains, obviously, and. Um, also, just to let people know, if you want to look for this on a map, this is in the Bob Marshall Wilderness in western Montana, uh, kind of, I want to say, north of Lincoln, Montana, um, kind of probably about like four or five miles away from where the Unabomber was found, just so if anyone wants to get on Wikipedia and look for this stuff. Anyhow, so we're going through this old copper mine and there's this sound, and we can't figure out what it is. It's like a cat or a baby or something. And my dad's like, oh, it's probably a wounded animal. Uh, let's, let's get out of here. This is, you know, it's, 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 getting, it's raising all of our hackles. It's, it's, it's making us all a little afraid. Um, and then we turn around and we can see something kind of in the darkness over somewhere else where a different sound is coming from and it's the same same sound it's like it's not coming from one place anymore it's now like moved quickly over to another part of the mine and we can see what we're not sure if it's a person or not but they're kind of crouched down and then whatever it is it stands up and it looks like a small old woman without clothes on and we can't quite see if all of her face is there because she's got hair over it. Not like, you know, comb down the ring, but like kind of off to the sides, like unkept, disheveled, possibly living in a cave. And we, 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 just, we just start running. We drop whatever it is that we've picked up, like little bits of mining things and whatever that we're like clacking and making noises with and having fun. No, family fun time is over. And it is time to run and we run and we run and we hear this noise and it just gets louder and louder and louder and we run and we get outside the cave and, you know, it's like kind of like, is everyone here? Yeah. And then we run back to camp and then we pack up camp and then we drive up to the cabin that, you know, used to be part of my dad's family. And we ask about that. We're like, what the hell is? And they're like, we have no idea what you're talking about. There's no local legends. You grew up here. You know there's nothing like, you know, there's no, like, weird things to, like, warn children to stay away from the mine. There's no Jenny Green Teeth. There's no nothing like that. We, we go into town and we talk about stuff and we ask the people at the general store. Yes, there's a general store in Lincoln, Montana. It's by the laundromat. And we ask about if anyone has heard anything and everyone's like, no, it's not like there's anyone's missing grandma. And it just was this unsolved thing. And it really, really, really scared the hell out of my family. It's very unnerving. We didn't go back to the cabin for like a good five, 10 years, never heard anything from anyone else. I mean, 
It wasn't some sort of like my mom played a prank on us. My mom's not a short elderly woman. My mom's a tall blonde woman. And it's just, I don't know. And next year, instead of camping in Montana, uh, in August and early September, uh, September, uh, we, 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 uh, we camped in Gifford Pinchaw National Forest, which is in the foothills of the Cascades, um, in Washington state. So we go camping, we're going to go huckleberry picking. It's going to be a good fun time. My dad's going to get some ideas for like hunting in the autumn and, you know, uh, or I don't know much about hunting. So, but my, my dad wanted to scope some stuff out cause he wanted to do some hunting anyway. We're picking huckleberries, um, we're camping, we've just, like, put scotch guard, I mean, earlier that day, my dad put scotch guard on the tent, so we couldn't, like, hang out in the tent all day and color and stuff, which is what I like to do when I go camping. I don't know about you, not a big outdoors person, <laughs> especially after uh, the previous summer. So, you know, we have to sit out in the camp and, uh, you know, engage with other family members because I think, like, I had a cousin and an aunt and uncle that also uh, went with us. And we had this really, really, really big, like, 12-person tent that we all stayed in. And Scotch guarded it because it's Pacific Northwest. Uh, you never know when it's going to rain, even when it's, like, a hot summer. So we all had to sit out there. It was, like, the first time I had almond milk, and I thought it was gross. <laughs> and um, we went hiking, you know, just normal camping. And then that night, we all laid down. It, all of us were there, uh, probably sometime around like 11.30 or so. The adults finally decided to lay back down. Everyone was there. No one unaccounted for. No one met any strangers that day. Uh, that's not 100% true because my cousin and I, we were down by the creek because we weren't allowed to like sit around in the tent all day in color, as I said. And we like saw this like tall, like hairy hippie dude, like off in the distance. And I got, I was like, uh, like seeing someone and not being able to quite see what's going on with them. I got nervous because of last year and I'm terrified to be in the woods. I'm terrified that mine, witch is going to come get me again. You know, it's like, I've been having nightmares for like seven months and it's like finally good to be out in the woods. And there's this like unidentifiable, like, tall hippie dude off in the distance and it's like my cousin's like we need to go that's a bear and I'm like oh okay uh my glass I, I I didn't have glasses yet so you know I'm like oh okay and I recognize that I need anyway so we go back to camp and my cousin's like we saw a bear and I'm like no it was I think it was a homeless person <laughs> and my dad's concerned because of last year so him and my uncle Joe they go down the hill and they go look and they're like, there's no one there. There's nothing there. And they're like, there's a, uh, there's an old, um, what do you call it? A uh, cooler. There was an old cooler over there. So maybe someone was and they left their cooler, but it looked like it had been there for a while. So don't worry about anything. It was probably just like a small brown bear or something. And they don't hurt anyone, uh, you know. So... <sighs> it's nighttime, uh, parents crawl into the tent, drunk, high, whatever, uh, parents in their, uh, late twenties do in the, uh, early eighties, mid eighties. So 
we've all been asleep for a while, and we hear a <laughs> around the outside of the tent. And my dad, you know, accidentally wakes us up talking to my mom and my uncle Joe, being like, "Hey, there's there's something outside of the tent. Uh, I think it's like a deer or something." And then, like everyone's kind of quiet and listening, and it's just one thing, but we kind of realize that it's kind of a big thing. It doesn't push up against the tent. It doesn't do anything. And it moves around the campsite and it's making all kinds of noises. It's getting into stuff. My dad's like, just be quiet. It's it, it'll, it'll get bored and go away. It'll eat something and go away. It's not going to attack us. Even if it's a bear, if we make a bunch of noise, it'll go, it, you know, it, it'll something, it'll go away. So, it's probably about a good half hour. We're all laying in there just listening to this thing go through our things and stuff like that. And that's when my, my uncle Joe goes, I think that thing's walking around on two legs. Listen. And we all listened and it wasn't like clop, 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 clop. It was like thump, 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 but like how you and me thump. And at this point in time, it dawns on me it's either something like that mine witch, or maybe it's something like a Sasquatch. And I didn't say it out loud. No one said it out loud. I think we're all thinking it. That or bears. And then we all started making noises, like just like shouting and being like, get out of here, get out of here. And, you know, no one wants to leave the tent but also no one <laughs> wants to be quiet. I mean, it's like, if this is a bear, we can scare it off. If this is a person, we can scare it off. Um, I don't think we were thinking about what if this is like some sort of deranged woods person who, I don't know. Anyway, so we then like start making all kinds of noise and then what we heard was it, it, this is old growth forest. So you have big, big, big trees. It shimmied up a tree and it made noise and it, and it moved from tree to tree. It was like it, it moved from tree to tree and we could hear it move in the distance. And that's when my dad and my uncle Joe and my aunt Mahara and my mom, we loaded up the camp in the middle of the night packed up and drove back to Portland in with like a short period of time. We didn't go camping out that way again. We found a place in a totally different part of Montana that we decided to start camping at that my family still camps at. And the only interesting thing that ever happened is we once almost ran over the Unabomber on our way back from uh, the Lincoln Rodeo. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to my story, and you can check me out and more of my podcast at pgttcm.com, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, Black Clock Audio Tales. Thank you, and happy Halloween. There's a signal from another world, a wayward transmission adrift between dimensions, a frequency not found in any normal radio dial. I never believed it was possible, until I found the radio on a dirt road in the Pine Barrens. It broadcasts from a reality like our own, but uncanny. 
familiar landscapes and places, but through a dream, through a nightmare, you are now part of the Lost Signal Society. Hello, I'm Bella Nightshade, and welcome to the Witchway Station, broadcasting from a different frequency every two hours. Usually, I'm telling you arcane stories and occult facts, but tonight, I have something special for Halloween. I'm taking a page out of the Rat and Koenig's book, and I'm going to play you someone else's strange tale. Around the world, there are stories of great hairy beings in the forest. This folklore is mostly associated with the Pacific Northwest of North America, Nepal, and Indonesia. But there are pockets of tales all over, in the state of New Jersey, they call the creature Big Red Eye. But what is this creature? An undiscovered beast? A spirit of the forest? Or something else? It may seem strange that such an animal could exist a few hours drive west of the bright lights of Broadway, but the weird state of New Jersey often surprises you. This cassette tape was left in one of my secret drop locations. Stay tuned for this week's list of drop locations. But until then, here's Monica. So, it was around 2004, and my older sister Mary was getting married. We'd been doing all sorts of preparations. The venue, the cake, the priest, the dress. Ugh, the dress was beautiful. Everything was together, and the wedding was on Saturday. Mom had the rosaries on the clothesline, so it didn't rain, and I was out in the forest gathering last few ingredients for a little wedding blessing. My plan was to use the leftover candles from the wedding to make a wish bottle. The ingredients were pretty standard. Rosemary for love, basil for protection, sea salt, and lavender would all make their way into the working. I needed two more things though. Wild blueberries for sweetness and white quartz. I knew I could find them in the forest that I played in as a kid. The moon was in auspicious position, as my grandmother would say, so I took off into the Rambo Valley. It was an overcast morning when I got to the trailhead, and towards the top, towards higher ground, where there'd be less tree cover, that's where I knew I could find the ripe berries that I needed. Sometimes as I walk, I'll hum or sing to myself, especially on days like that day when there's not another soul on the trail. The threat of rain had kept most people away, but I love a great day, and unless it's a true downpour, there's nothing that a raincoat and a pair of waterproof boots can't handle. I got to the place in the trail that I had marked earlier in the year. A quarter mile east of the trail was an excellent patch. I headed off the trail and towards the thicket. I heard a twig break. Who's there? I looked around. There was nothing obvious. People tend to announce themselves in a thousand subtle ways. Animals, less so. But I looked around and dismissed the sound as maybe a particularly fat squirrel on an old branch. Bears are a concern in these parts, so I'd have to keep my eyes open for scat. They were fond of blueberries, too. I continued towards my spot when I saw something glint near a small water runoff that was coming off the ridge. Could have even been a small spring. At the edge of the water, there were some white quartz. 
I stooped to pick up the crystals. Away from my love for the crossroads Under a blanket of night He wears a coat of black woolen And red leather gloves so bright I stood slowly and looked around me. It sounded as if something were keeping time. There was little chance a person had come off the trail this way. They'd have to travel straight through the brush to sneak up on me, and there was no way I wouldn't see and hear them. Even an animal, unless it was very small. And mockingbirds don't drum. There were stories, of course, of other creatures. The forest man, impossibly tall, hairy. Most people around here called him Big Red Eye, if they gave name to it at all. For some, he struck terror into their hearts, a monster of the wood. Others say he's a forest spirit, or maybe it was something that had come through the vortex in Wanakube. I listened. Whatever it was, the birds weren't afraid of it, and that seemed good to me. I slipped the stones into my pocket and continued up the ridge into the blueberry patch. When I got there, I began to gather the fruit and became lost in my task. A few hours passed. My project made the time go quickly. Wind blew off some of the cloud cover and I saw the shadows fall over the stones and chase each other across the forest floor. I had almost forgotten about the strange drumming as I was using an old stump to transfer some of the berries from a basket to a cotton bag. I was being careful. Wild blueberries are small, but sweet, a little tart and it had taken me forever to get them and I didn't want to drop one. The truth is, to this day I cannot figure out how he snuck up on me. Well, maybe I can. Anyway, I had just about poured all the berries out of the basket when I felt something looking at me. I slowly looked up and there in the forest was a being. Tall, too tall, seven feet by the looks of it. It was 30 yards from me. The shape of a man was standing in a small clearing between two blueberry bushes. I say the shape because the dark fur that covered the creature's whole body made it look like a walking shadow. It stood still and silent. From under its fur there glittered two eyes like rubies. The old name had a grain of truth to it after all. The creature made no motion. It simply looked back into my eyes. The birds continued to sing and the fur on the creature moved in the breeze. In retrospect, this should have been terrifying, but instead, I didn't feel scared at all. Instead, a feeling of calm washed over me and I began to sing. And if you're thinking of romance, you best throw yourself in the sea, cause my soul belongs at the cross. Roads, but my heart belongs only to me. Big Red Eye held my gaze. We stood there for what seemed like forever, but it was really just a few moments. Whatever it was, it liked music. I put the berry basket down on the stump, some dark fruit still rolling in the bottom. Those piercing red eyes bore into mine, and it reminded me of the albino rabbit we had in my third grade classroom. I was afraid to move, more because I know that to do so will be to end the encounter. Time stretched. I couldn't stand there in the forest forever, so I took a step back 
and then another. Slowly, slowly the creature began to walk towards me. I was afraid to run. I just continued to move backwards. And when it got to the stump, it grabbed the basket and ran off into the forest. And when it left my sight, I finally turned heel and headed towards the trail. When I got to my car, the sun was much lower than expected. In fact, by the time I reached my car, the sun was setting, but my watch said it was only 3 p.m. And you'd think that'd be the end of the story, but it's not. As I was driving home, the New York skyline spread out before me, wrapped up like a starlet in pink and purple methane haze. Suddenly a light darted across my field of vision and paused in the sky for a moment. The day had been too weird. I pulled to the side of the road for a moment. The streets were almost too quiet. The light hovered in the sky for a moment, two moments, and then suddenly zipped off into another direction. Stranger still, a few weeks later, curiosity got the best of me and I hiked back to that berry patch. At the spot where I went off the trail, hanging from a white birch tree, was my basket. Listen, I don't know what I saw, but it was pretty cool. You know what I mean? What is Big Red Eye? Is he a true undiscovered primate? Is he the spirit of the forest in northern New Jersey? Many sightings include some kind of UFO presence. And although that's not an exclusively tri-state phenomena, it seems to happen more here. It's the top of the hour now, so as always, the same message. Foggy, the radio isn't just a conduit, it's a doorway. You're listening to The Witchway Station with Bella Nightshade. Stay tuned for my next segment on Forest Elementals and see if you can tell some of the crossover between that story and these old tales from the woods. This has been a presentation of Lost Signal Society. Lost Signal Society was created by Michael Dondero and Krista Pollier in Brooklyn, New York. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or anywhere you love to listen to podcasts. Also, follow us on social media. At Lost Signal Society is our Instagram, you can find us on Twitter as at LostSignalSoc, and you can find us on the web at LostSignalSociety.com. Happy Halloween! On deck, 2321 local. I'm moving north towards Lake Champlain through the Missisquoi Wildlife Refuge. There are several stacked rock cairns, probably trail markers along the path here. Delta 01, what's your position? Delta 02, about 20 yards from the waterfront. Found some trail markers, probably campers. They lead to what looks like a small cave. I'm going to check it out. 
Roger. Let me know when you hit Waterside. We'll go. Looks like someone has been living here, but there's no garbage. Hmm. Delta Zero Two? Go ahead, Zero One. I found a cave. Looks lived in, but it's strange. Strange how? No trash, no food wrappers, plastic refuse, nothing that people normally leave behind. Zero One, it's Vermont. The land of crunchies and hippies. They do a better job of picking up after themselves than city folks. Maybe. Just seems odd. And there's vegetation set up like bedding. <sighs> okay, so local wildlife then. Move along. Our intel says the boat is crossing the border in less than five minutes. Roger that. Must be a really big animal. Zero two, I'm at the water's edge. Do we have a bearing on where the boat is coming from? Stand by, zero one. Um, if you're facing north, zero zero zero, they should be heading westbound from a zero one five. Roger that. I have visual. Yep, they're moving west. Zero through POB. It's a black Boston whaler. They have hoods up, so I can't get a clear look at their faces. I've got to keep moving to maintain visual. Roger. Keep me informed. Seem to be moving at about five to six knots. They're not in a rush, apparently. Any sign of cargo? Hard to tell. One suspect is on the bow. Looks like they're leaning on something. The lighting sucks. I wish they could have given us NVGs. Yeah, not up here they won't. Yeah. Only the best for CGI. Oof! Uh, um, you've got to be. Zero one? What is. Is, is that a bear? No. No, it's not a bear. Zero two, they've picked up speed and are still heading west. Looks like they're headed towards the Route 78 bridge. Roger that. What happened? Are you alright? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Stumbled across some animal. I don't know what it was. It knocked me down and the target heard the noise. No worries. Pursuit boat is standing by, ready to engage. Head back to base and dry off. Roger that. Huh. So, it was making these rock piles. No one will believe me, but... Smugglers in Sasquatch was written and produced by Mike Gagne of Asylum 94 Productions. Featuring the voice talents of Mike Gagne as Delta Zero One and Michelle Gagne as Delta Zero Two and Sasquatch as himself. Sound effects and Foley, courtesy of freesound.org, Adobe Audition, and made in-house by Asylum 94 Productions. And the intro music 
was the Blue Dot Sessions, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. Visit us on our website at Asylum94.com and check out our flagship show, Boston Harbor Horror, which begins the second half of its first season on November 1st. Thank you very much for listening, and as always, Happy Halloween.